As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Hello and welcome back to Pod on the Time, the one and only Newcastle United podcast from The Athletic. I'm Taylor Payne and we've got Chris Woff and George Corkin with us today. George Corkin, how the devil are you, sir? I'm all right, yeah. Stormisha, that's the latest storm that's been blowing a gale, blowing a hoolie around my house, blowing a hoolie at Kingston Park yesterday where I saw yet another Newcastle team lose yet another game in the 90th minute or whatever it was, yeah. So I'm blown up. I'm blown about, I'm tossed about, and I'm annoyed. Lovely. That's a lovely smashing cardigan you're wearing there, by the way, I must say. It's gorgeous. Yeah, this is my own personal tribute to the late lamented David Soule out of Starsky and Hutch. This is absolutely the kind of thing he wore in Starsky and Hutch and later in his career singing songs. Yeah, thank you. And nobody else can see this, but Chris has turned up dressed as a car thief today. Car thief slash Lord of the Sith, as as George Colcom was saying. Yes, I have my hood up. I have a weird thing where my eyes are quite sensitive to certain types of light, which makes me seem ridiculous. But I also have had a bit of dust in my eye over the course of this weekend because this is uh, today is actually my son James's first birthday, so it's oh. quite an emotional day for me. It's been we've had celebrations with both sides of family over the weekend, and yes, given where we were at this stage last year in hospital and where we are now, it's been quite a wonderful year. So yeah, quite an emotional weekend for me. We all share your emotion, Chris. I mean, mine is still mostly annoyance at the six months that you had off. Um, So I suppose today is the first anniversary of that very painful episode, one that we'd all like to forget, I'm sure. But yeah, sure, congratulations. Bit selfish of you not to mention that about me, but yeah, fine. It's also Fabrizio Colaccini's birthday today as well, Chris. Did you know that? You, James and Fabrizio Colaccini share a birthday. Yeah, we're, we're planned for that, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that is meticulous planning, I have to be honest. That, that's quite impressive. Let's crack on, chap, shall we? There's a little bit to talk about today. The Newcastle fan base, as we know, uh, they're all a pretty level-headed bunch, aren't they? And in the space of 48 hours last week, they demonstrated sang-froid in the face of not one, but two brutal opportunistic raids. First, George, uh, what is sang-froid? Well, sang-froid, as you all know, I'm, um, I am a fluent French speaker, and sang-froid literally means a blood cold, so let's reverse that, cold blood, so... 
if you have sang froid, it means you sort of have ice in your veins. That's how I'd I'd translate that. There you go. Yes, I'm I'm convinced now that Ollie, our producer, is dropping words into the running order just to try and trip me up with the pronunciations, Chris. That's what that's what it feels like anyway. If he is, then yeah, that makes that amuses me. So I hope so. That's a bit of a rumbustuous <laughs> allegation, Taylor. Oh, rumbustuous, nice. Uh, right then, that bid for Kieran Trippier, yeah, George. Let's start with that. That was a bit out of the blue, wasn't it? Came from nowhere. Yes, I mean we're kind of thinking a lot about who Newcastle could sign or might sign, and you know, there's been sort of stories about that and FFP and PRS and CSS and whatever I don't know USSR, Good. I, you know, whatever FBI, FBI, yeah. And then suddenly that kind of comes from nowhere and throws you on the back foot a little bit. And yeah, so Bayern Munich are interested in in Kieran Trippier, um, and. We sort of had to spend the weekend scrambling around that and also uh, Callum Wilson, Atletico Madrid, being interesting here. I mean, I think I should say, say from the start that having spoken to the club on Sunday morning, their attitude is very much that neither player will be leaving this month, that both players have been spoken to by members of the hierarchy. They're not kind of kicking off, which is kind of quite important. So that was the sort of response. We should also point out that there's still another eight, nine days left in the window, and that has to be the caveat. But very much as of yesterday, it was that neither player would leave. But yeah, that is the sort of horror of the window, just when you think you might have a handle on what's happening or not happening. Something like that comes out of the blue to um, unsettle things. The chat, though, Chris, is that, that Trippier is not really by Munich's first choice in this situation. He's it, it possibly a good backup for them. It seems that they want PSG's Nordi Mukiele and that basically that they can't agree a fee as things stand. So is this all part of a game of 4D chess? Are they are they making a bid for Q and Trippier while they're trying to get PSG to reduce their value? Is it genuine that they are looking at Q and Trippier as their alternative? Certainly there have been approaches and talks and, and, and approaches towards Q and Trippier's camp. But Newcastle are holding firm at this stage. I think I think there is certainly an economic argument for both Wilson and Trippier that you could make that if Newcastle were to get a decent fee not the loans as uh, I mean Atletico Madrid's approach for for uh, Callum Wilson was an inquiry but it was basically a suggestion that they'd make a loan first and then possibly an obligation to buy same with Kieran Trippier basically ironically what Newcastle are trying to do signing midfielders and there could be an economic argument that given their age Trippier's 33 Wilson's 31 given that they're in the final 18 months of the contract, PSR-wise, you could make a bit of benefit there, particularly with Trippier, because you have Tino Livermento as his ready-made replacement already there. Yeah. Not so much a Wilson, because you don't have any forwards. But I think, certainly with Trippier, the issue would be the message that would send this month. I think the optics would be terrible if Kieran Trippier was to leave at this stage with Newcastle haven't signed anyone. Really has been the standard-bearer post-takeover, the first signing that was made has raised standards on and off the field and yes he's had a difficult six weeks or so but to let him go before they've signed anyone and to lose your vice captain in that situation your on-field leader I think would be a very very negative situation so I think that's partly why Newcastle are standing firm as well because really it would make them look quite weak in the market I think if he was to go. There have been some conflicting reports about the player's attitude towards a potential move though George haven't there? Some people saying he's he's up for it some people saying he's not interested where, where do we actually stand with Kieran Trippier? Well um we know what a good professional Kieran Trippier is. I mean, I think we all thought that he would probably be coming to Newcastle to to retire. When I spoke to Amanda Staveley and Murdad Gadusi when I did that big interview with them, whenever that was, they talked about him, you know, never leaving. As long as he could kick a ball, he would stay at Newcastle. But of course, you also have to consider the player's position. And it has been a tough 
few weeks for him at Newcastle. We remember him leaving the England squad for personal reasons a little while ago at the end of uh, towards the end of last year. And people situations can change. I think if a team like Bayern Munich come in for you. Newcastle aren't at that level yet. That's the level they want to get to. But you're talking about serial trophy winners in Germany. You're talking about serial Champions League participants. And at his age, the idea of, you know, linking up with Harry Kane again, Eric Dyer again, you know, I think, you know, that would be enough to, if not turn your head, then certainly to... um, What what is the phrase I'm looking for? Song froid. (laughs) No, that's not the rumbustuous... Um, you know, I think that would be enough to, to sort of pique your interest, if nothing else. Again, what we've been told is that, you know, behind the scenes, he's not kicking up a fuss, he's not pushing to leave, he's not trying to leave, he's not agitating to get out. I think if and when that happens with a player, it becomes very difficult for the club because, you know, you don't want to keep unhappy, unsettled players. That's not the message we're getting at the minute. If he was to put in a transfer request, for example, if he was to say, I want to go, then it becomes different. But certainly we've not heard that yet. He's a professional. As Chris said, he has been absolutely been the standard bearer for this Newcastle team, this Newcastle squad. Uh, since he arrived and he still is that and he's also absolutely fundamental to the way Newcastle play both defensively and in attacking terms and it would be very very difficult to lose him mid-season I would say. To to pick up on well to steal a phrase from Rafa Benitez which George Culkin often steals but I am going to steal instead of him football is a lie and I also think when you ask where are Kieran Trippier and Callum Wilson's heads at you speak to different people and you get different answers as well. So I also think that, that that's always a difficulty and certainly the difficulty with the January window in general. The piece that I wrote going into the weekend talking about Newcastle's midfielder and transfer situation. What are they going to do? What are they actually going to be able to do? And you get people replying saying, oh, the club are just lying to you or people say the club are just lying to you, people externally are lying to you. And and there's almost, there are agendas, there are competing agendas, things change. January is an awful window for a reporter. And I'm not, I mean, realise the smallest violin in the world there, but it's because you get one bit of information one week and then it changes completely. Let's take last January, for example. The message going into last January was, Chris Wood is definitely not going anywhere. Eddie Howe certainly didn't want him to go anywhere. But then that changed when by the end of the window because Newcastle had a good offer and suddenly they let him go and it allowed them to bring in Anthony Gordon. Things can shift and people's opinions can shift. People's verdict on what's going to happen can shift or clubs' decisions can shift depending on lots of moving parts in the market. So that's something I'd just reiterate there as well. I'd like to jump in there very, very quickly. And I've told this story before, but in the, in the past, um, and it is... It is surrounding a Newcastle transfer or non-transfer. I can't even remember what it was at the time. But I have spoken to a director, an agent and a manager about the same player and had three different versions of quote-unquote the truth. So in other words, the manager saying, yeah, yeah, we're interested. Yeah, we like that player. Speak to the director. No, that's not going to happen. Speak to the agent and, you know, and something else happens. And so nothing is the truth until it's actually signed and sealed and done because all we're doing is talking about different interpretations of of attitudes, of feelings. So I've certainly seen this a lot with the Kieran Trippier thing. Is he pushing for a move? Is he happy to stay? Is he, you know, all of those sorts of things. All of those things will depend on who you talk to. And it doesn't mean it's wrong. It just means different people interpreting things in a different way. And sometimes those things are wrong because... You know, people in football are quite happy to manipulate journalists sometimes, the media sometimes, for their own ends. We shouldn't forget that. That's why everything has to have a caveat this month. So, to repeat where we came in, 
certainly the attitude from the top of the club is that the, neither of these two players will be sold this month and they're not kicking off a fuss. But um, other opinions are available. Yes, it is indeed silly season, isn't it? One thing that is definitely uh, fact and confirmed is that Javi Manquillo has joined Rafa Benitez at Celta Vigo. Uh, right back, Chris, probably perhaps the one position where uh, we are stuck to the brim. Uh, if Bayern, though, did come back with a kind of break-even £12 million bid for Kieran Trippier, yeah, 33 years old, would the club consider it? I can't give you the exact answer on that front. Because well, I that's not think good that... enough, Chris. I want, I want absolutes now. I want to know. Come on. You've, you've definitely got the wrong people on the podcast there, <laughs> but in terms of it I think going beyond even what George was saying there about speaking to an agent a director and the manager there are different opinions inside Newcastle United I think as to what they would necessarily do in that yeah. situation Eddie Howe would certainly want to keep him for all of the reasons outlined and the message it was sent but also how vital he is to the team environment on and off the field but from a purely financial point of view, that would give Newcastle something to think about from, from a PSR sense. And then it, then other people in the club may go to Eddie Howe and say, well, that might free up front and then you can sign that midfielder that you want. You actually have Tino Livermendo as a ready-made replacement there. So this is why it, when George and I wrote the piece on Sunday explaining that as things stand, Newcastle have no intention of letting Kieran Trippier and, and, and Callum Wilson go. We caveated that because you have to caveat this. Is That is the position as of yesterday, as of Sunday, the 21st of January. Newcastle had no intention, given all of the information off as they had at that stage. But if next weekend Bayern Munich suddenly like, we really need a right back, here's an offer, yeah. and financially it makes a huge load of sense, and suddenly Kieran Trippier says, well, actually, I'd quite like to go, and Eddie Howe says, well, the, the need for a midfielder is so huge. Things could change. So that's that's what we're trying to explain, is that that is where we are with 10 days left in the window. But things could could snowball. You just don't know. To answer that question, I wouldn't... I mean, I wouldn't consider it. I wouldn't take that this month. Trippi is way too important to the team, to the squad, to lose now. I mean, I know he's 33, but, you know, the transfer window sort of makes instant financial experts of people. Yeah, yeah, that's good business. That's good business. I don't think that is good business. I I would hate I would hate to see him leave. I don't, I'm not ready to be heartbroken. Well, there's more to think about than just the money side of things, isn't there? There's, there's the kind of destabilisation element of it as well. If he left, he, he's a leader in the dressing room, you know? He's a massive yeah. player for us. Yeah. It, it could cause all kinds of ructions. There it? could also be ructions keeping a player who is desperate to get out. And and, and, and yeah, so yeah, that, that has to be the, you know, that has to be the other side of it. To repeat, nothing about what I've seen from Trippier in his time at Newcastle suggests that he would be the kind of player to upset things, to um, to kind of force his way out. But again, you can't rule that out until the window's closed and, you know, he's either staying or not. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Mm-hmm. 
There's some high-caliber suitors, though, here, Chris, isn't there? Atletico Madrid and Bayern Munich. We're not, we're not trying to drive Jeff Hendrick to Derby County, are we? You know, it's not, it's not that kind of thing. It's, it's a little bit different. I mean, they are trying to do things like that as well. They are trying to get, <laughs> they are trying to get uh, some of the fringe players or uh, those players who are no longer necessarily considered part of the first team group out as well. Uh, and I mean, you've got Javier Manquillo who's moved on in terms of for, for, for wages, as we said, and get him off the books to free up space. But yes, these aren't these. This, this isn't like clubs have come in and someone like Kieran Trippi or Callum Wilson would see those as necessarily a downward move. They join Newcastle very much for a project, for, for want of a better term. I hate that phrase, but that, that's what's used. But you could hardly say that if either of them left for those two clubs, that would be a step down in their career as much as people want to believe that Newcastle, they can come to and grow. And I still believe that they can. But when Newcastle are currently 10th in the Premier League, Bayern Munich may be looking like they're not going to win the German title for the first time in a decade or whatever it may be, but they're still Bayern Munich. They're still in the Champions League. Athletic Madrid have just beaten Real Madrid last weekend they're still in the Champions League so there's also reports today which we are, came out literally just before we came on to record which we're checking out as things stand so we can't get a definitive answer on this as to whether they are accurate or not but that Miguel Almiron has been linked with a move to Al-Shabaab in, 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 the, in the Saudi Pro League and so again we've just seen so many links from so many different players within Newcastle's squad some of the senior players and I think part of the reason it is the PSR situation both clubs looking to potentially capitalise on it but also Newcastle themselves I think at least certain people within Newcastle have made soundings to the market that we are in this situation do you have any interest in in some of our players because we haven't necessarily had strong interest before and then if you get an offer then we'll maybe consider it it may be that Newcastle reject all of those offers but they want to see what is available and what is out there we spoke last week about the need to sell players going forward if they can sell someone this month that might help them both for the summer but also for now and bringing someone in and that's the situation that they find themselves in right now I mean the other thing just while we're on this subject is that while we've been recording the pod there is this uh, this link between Miggy Almiron and Al Shabab, the I've literally just said that. Have you? I was. He wasn't yeah, listening. That... Sorry. Oh, Quite okay. clearly, yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, if you've said that, that's <laughs> fine. Hell. Great. Because just yeah. explained nice. that in great detail. Well, you just your monotone voice is so boring. I just, I just, um, I just lost all interest. Chris, do you want to do you want to try something else in your monotone delivery? We'll we'll, we'll talk about something else. <laughs> I might resign from the podcast, I think, is if I'm that boring, then... Well, this is a boring subject, Chris. Profit and sustainability rules. Uh, it, it looked like Newcastle might be trying to find a few more million pennies down the back of the sofa, doesn't it, in St. James's Park? Uh, Amadou, They've only got one sofa at St. James's just, Park. Just the one, but they keep all the money down the back of it. That's where right, it goes. Okay. Um, Amadou Onana uh, has been mentioned a few times this week. Yes, so at Everton, he's a player who I've, I think I wrote about, I think it was March last year, that Newcastle had sort of been tracking him before he even signed for Everton. He was a player that, that, that Newcastle really liked, and he's been linked again this window as one of several midfielders. There's Kefren Turam uh, at Nice. There's various of the midfielders across Europe, Edison at Atlanta, who Newcastle have been following. The problem Newcastle have is the the way that they want to structure these years. I keep saying that they would ideally like a loan with an obligation to buy so that they don't have to pay any money now. They don't want to pay yeah. a loan fee now, which is part of the reason why they seem to have moved on from Calvin Phillips, also because of his lack of football and also because they would quite like more of a number eight style Joe Linton-esque almost player rather than a deep-lying midfielder in Calvin Phillips as they were maybe looking for early in, earlier in the window. Joe Linton's injury and also contract situation means that they're looking more at that situation. So... 
the PSR situation is boring, and uh, I got cut criticism for saying that it was boring and complicated by someone... Uh, it's not as boring as your voice. Well, it's not as boring as my voice, yeah. But to me, it is boring and complicated. It might not be to other people out there who, who, who seem to be suggesting that I was treating you like idiots. I'm not. I am the idiot trying to explain it. Nerds. Um, but that... that Andrew, uh, yeah, Amadou Anana. Do I, do I think if you push me now, do I think Amadou Anana is going to be a Newcastle player come the start of February? I think it's highly unlikely given that the situation that they're in, but they are exploring all possibilities to see who they can bring in. Philip Billing at Bournemouth has been suggested as another one. I think that would be more of a maybe short-term option rather than Anana, who is, is someone I like long-term and could be seen as a, a sort of long-term option. And, and this is he's someone they would have looked at this summer and can they bring that forward is essentially what they're looking at right now, but it's going to be very difficult with the financials. Yeah, no, I just thought at this point it was important to say that it's looking quite difficult at this minute with the financials that um, Amadou Anana would come in um, at this month <laughs> and but it does look like we might be trying to find a few million pennies from the St James's Park sofa and Edison uh, yeah whatever other things thanks for that George no, yeah. anything on Miguel Amarone at all George yeah I mean just the latest <laughs> is that it sounds like a Saudi club whose name I've now forgotten may be, may be interested in him so yeah good excellent just thought I should mention that. And George, Chris mentioned the, the Joe Linton contract situation there as well. There has been some uh, chatter this week about him and potential uh, transfers in the future. Yes, and so this adds yet another layer of intrigue and complexity to the to the situation. We know that Newcastle have been, you know, looking at midfield, and I mean they they have been since since last summer. But Jolinton's contract does have eighteen months or so to to uh, to run. That's getting into sort of red zone danger areas for for clubs, yeah. And of course, he's now out for the rest of the season. So, and he's his attributes are pretty unique. I mean, I think you've got a couple of players in Lewis Miley and Sean Longstaff who are very good and very important, but quite similar. Jolinton is the sort of is the beast in midfield. He's the destroyer. He can run. He's aggressive. Newcastle don't have another player like that. So that does sort of partially explain why they're looking at that style of player. I'm not saying as a replacement for Jolinton. Obviously, the hope is that he will stay, that he'll agree a contract. But we also know that there's a bit of uncertainty around Bruno Guimaraes and his long-term future at Newcastle. And the two of them are close friends and uh, and that. So, yeah, so we've got that going on as well. It does feel... It's funny, It. You know, it's been such a sort of certain club in lots and lots of ways. And at the moment, it does feel like there are sort of tremors of uncertainty sort of around it, both on the pitch in terms of form and then off it about where they go next. Uh, Chris Gambia uh, on the brink of AFCON exit. Uh, but as Jacob said last time, Yakuba Minter, uh, his reputation remains unblemished. He's, he's doing all right, isn't he? Yeah, he came on as a substitute, did, did quite well for them again. And this is a bit of a curious situation that Newcastle have loaned him out to Feyenoord and that there isn't actually a recall agreement because early on the suggestions from certain areas was that there was a recall clause but there isn't a recall clause so if Newcastle wanted to bring him back from Feyenoord which he's been doing well he's been playing in the Champions League they have a lack of forward options and even if in an ideal world for his development he probably wants to be at Feyenoord because he can play there and, and get greater game time than maybe he would at Newcastle Newcastle just need bodies and someone playing well certainly in the forward line he would make a difference they wouldn't be need to be registered in the Premier League squad either but they don't have that recall clause they'd have to actually come to an agreement with Feyenoord which seems all a bit 
crazy to me but that that's the situation that they're in and hopefully he does very very well for final during the second half of the season and maybe even becomes an option going into next year or gets another loan before being an option going forward but that's the point of Newcastle paying the money that they did for him uh Qual hasn't as we said in the last podcast hasn't quite worked out quite as well as quickly for him he was coming to European football making that uh, adaptation but Minter is doing very very well and certainly looks like he has a promising future I think, George, one of the things that, that has sprung to mind this this weekend with these deals being mooted is Newcastle United's changed, hasn't it, massively. And in the days of Mike Ashley, when a, a bid or an offer is made for a player, someone like Kieran Trippier, I think as fans, we kind of took a step back and went, well, you know, we're not going to see that money again anytime soon. If, if, if money is paid for a player, we're not going to see it. It won't get reinvested. Or And if it does, we don't trust the way it's going to be reinvested or yeah. it might not be uh, how we want it to be spent. But now, I think the club have to to make money, to spend money, don't they? And we're at that situation where fans are going to have to get used to this. They're going to have to get used to this idea of player trading and and people leaving and and players that they love, players who've deep, who've done brilliant jobs for Newcastle. Yeah, I mean it, it is a it is a big change. I mean you knew in the Ashley era that there was a very low glass ceiling that if anybody was any good and did anything worth doing at Newcastle that they would go, That's and it. you just did not trust the people in charge to replace like for like or. Um, you know, to do it in a way that would, you know, they couldn't put two good decisions together. That was the thing. Now there's a glass ceiling, but the glass ceiling is the rules that, you know, Newcastle are having to follow along with everybody else. They have the money, they have the resource, they have the ambition, but they don't have the wiggle room to do what they want to do. And so the only way they can do it, along with bringing in more revenues and qualifying for the Champions League uh, and that kind of stuff, is is reinvesting what they have, recycling. Newcastle historically have been terrible sellers. They've sold at the wrong time. They haven't sold enough. And certainly in the last few years, the last couple of years of the Ashley era, they didn't sell at all. So, you know, Newcastle are still paying the price for that. They have players at the at the club who should have been moved on, should have been recycled and weren't. And now that, you know, there's very little... Uh, you know, they would bring in very, very little money. And, you know, you can't do everything all at once. So it's always it's always been the case that at some stage a big player would have to go and that they would be sold and reinvested. The slight difference this window is it feels it's kind of come a bit early. Yeah, yeah. And um, because, you know, because they want to try and do something, because of all the injuries Newcastle have had, they're trying to find a way of finding that bit of room now and seeing if they can do something. But yeah, for clubs like Bayern Munich, they're looking at Newcastle thinking, well, maybe we've got the opportunity to take a bit of advantage here in the same way that Newcastle took advantage of Everton a year ago to get Anthony Gordon when they when they did. So Burnley for Chris Wood. Burnley for Chris Wood, yeah. Newcastle were opportunistic. Yeah, and cool. so I think there's, you know, people have heard what Newcastle have said about FFP and uh, sort of looking to be opportunistic. And also the fact they've dropped out of the Champions League, they're not having the season they dreamt of. Is there a chance for them to sort of take advantage of that? I think regardless of what happens over the course of the next 10 days, that there has at least been a repositioning of what exactly Newcastle can achieve and in what time frame in this window. I think that that has maybe recalibrated what people, at least externally and possibly even some Newcastle fans thought was was possible because the trajectory has been almost inexplicably upwards. It, it has, it's been positive basically since Eddie Howe took charge, but part of that has been because they've got every single deal just about until last summer transfer-wise correct, which is very rare of its own accord. Also, the wonderful job that, that Eddie Howe did to, to both keep Newcastle up and then take them into the Champions League 
it seemed that Newcastle were further ahead than they necessarily were. They also had a lot of PSR headroom when they first took took over because Mike Ashley basically left them with a negative PS, well, a positive, but in a negative sort of situation that they they could spend so much money. That's I'm positive myself negative. There. Basically, they could spend <laughs> yeah, they could spend a lot of money, but over the three year ruling period, that 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 then changes, and then the profits that Mike Ashley had had during certain years drop off, and then Newcastle can't spend as much, and that's where they get to this situation now. They haven't had the sort of underbelly players who they could sell on for a profit to to be able to to progress and, and, and have greater headroom going forward. The commercial revenue is growing quickly, but is still miles behind the so-called big six. And that's why I think there's a, there's been a recalibration, a will, it should be a recalibration of the time scale as to when Newcastle can actually become this established elite club. It's going to take longer than someone like Man City could achieve it. As, as George and I have tried to say from the very start, that there was perhaps a bit of a misconception there. Uh, just another thing before we go, has anybody seen the Adidas adverts featuring Joe Linton, Lewis Miley and Anthony Gordon this morning? Fabulous stuff, George. Great to see that. <laughs> Put me in mind a little bit of the Kevin Keegan and Les Ferdinand ones from the 90s. Yes, they're very funny. I would, yeah, urge people to check them out on Twitter. Yeah, they're they're nice. Surprisingly good acting as well, Chris. I thought Anthony Gordon and uh, uh, and young Lewis Miley. I mean, I wouldn't change career if I was them, but yeah, it was it wasn't it wasn't terrible. <laughs> Stick the day job. <laughs> Joel Linton's one's excellent. I do like that. Uh, right, then let's move on. Sign up at theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle pod and pay just one ninety nine a month for your first 12 months. We'll be back just after this break. Go! Go! Here's your goal. Thank you. Have a nice go. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League 2 after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League 1? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Watch this situation. It's a dangerous ball to the near post. And then laid off and finished into the bottom corner by Nottingham Forest, who might just have won it late through Neve Reynolds and Newcastle's unbeaten run in the league this season is in real jeopardy here. This could well be the last opportunity. It's Emma Kelly to take it. Now, now, yeah. now, Grace Donnelly gets herself up there. Have an extra player in the box from the attack, or will Kelly go for goal? 
Just teased in there. Now they've got a big chance. What a save. What a save. And Nottingham Forest are grateful to their goalkeeper, Emily Batty, who has won them the game with that late stop. So uh, the wind howls around Kingston Park at the best of times, doesn't it? But with Storm Aisha passing through, conditions are pretty stiff as Newcastle's women host the title rivals Nottingham Forest. George, you've been uh, involved in the women's team this week, haven't you? And a lightning start with Georgia Gibson, uh, given the, the lasses a lead inside seven minutes. Yeah, that's right. I've been involved with the women's team and wouldn't you know it, they then lose. <laughs> Sounds about right. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I've yeah, I was hanging around last week. I'm building a piece, um, sort of inside inside the women's team, um, trying to get a sense of what goes on. And yeah, it's been brilliant. So keep your ears and eyes open for that. Probably won't be for a, for a little while. Yeah, Newcastle started really well. I mean, I was sort of it was an interesting time to be involved with the team. Obviously, after that big defeat at Man U in the FA Cup, but they'd all taken sort of loads of positives from it, both in terms of the number of fans that came to support them, but also sort of holding out against them for such a long time. And it felt like that sort of positivity was going to fuel them during the match. It was a great start. They had the wind behind them. It was horrible conditions and they started really well. The 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 shame, the real disappointment was that they weren't able to keep that uh, to keep that going in what was a, a big a big match for them. You could see the way they celebrated when Georgia scored the goal. They all ran over to the Newcastle fans. It felt like a really big moment, but they just couldn't keep it going. Yeah, a home win would have sent Newcastle clear at the top as well and all but killed Forrest's title hopes. But they are a familiar four. Uh, and they hit back on the hour mark through Alice Keatley. Uh, Chris, the, the lasses have been doing so well. It's such a shame that they couldn't get this one through. It's a huge shame. And I mean, on the back of the defeat the weekend before in the FA Cup, a completely different level. But their form domestically in terms of in the league and also in the cup competitions at a lower level has been so impressive that to get this this defeat felt like such a hammer blow. And yeah, and I think that internally they are just blaming George for it. You know, we talked about the, the Whitehead curse last year. This is very much the Colcom curse. Colcom tries to get close to everything that's going on and suddenly a, a, the defeat follows. So I think he's banned now. Yeah, everything I touch turns to turns to shit. The reverse Midas. That is, that is <laughs> me. Lovely stuff. <laughs> yeah, and Newcastle have they've signed three players in the last fortnight, haven't they, George, yeah. as well? Keeper Lily Woods wasn't named in the squad, but Beth Lumsden and Nicky Gears both came off the bench in the second half, uh, Lumsden in particular showed some some nice flashes, didn't she? She did, yeah. And again, I mean, that is to be serious. That is, uh, you know, that's a sign of a team on the up. It's absolutely what you want to do: strengthen from a position of strength. And and they've done that. I mean, one of the lovely things you notice about the team and the squad is that it, it there are par- parallels with the men's team in that they've signed players at the right time. Some really good players who've got experience of leagues and divisions above but also the players who've kind of grown with them so whether you're talking about someone like Grace Donnelly the club captain the keeper who you know has been at the club since 2017 played in tier four last season and has been really good you know really good this season too I mean there are all sorts of stories like that they've kept a very tight-knit group uh, but being able to bring in players 
when they're top of the league is just yeah, it's just a brilliant thing to be able to do. You know, they did lose last season. I mean, they've gone through this incredible spell of 399 days unbeaten before the Man U game in the cup. But they did lose last season and they were able to respond and they were able to respond pretty well. This will be a very unfamiliar feeling for them. I mean, when you've been on a run like that, I mean, it's just astonishing. So hopefully there's no hangover to take them into the final game in the Cup this weekend. It's 3,000 fans in attendance, though, which is absolutely remarkable given the weather at the weekend. It was it? horrible weather, yeah. Taylor, as well. I mean, I, I mean, I know both sides had to deal with it, but it was the kind of it was the kind of wind where you if you if you place the ball down for a set piece, it moved, and yeah. so it was like that. If you had the wind behind you, the op- opposing team couldn't get out of their own half because if you kicked to clear, it just went backwards. Yeah, and watch my son on Saturday morning, and he was three 0 up at half time, playing with the wind, lost the game four three. Yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. Some kid scored a goal from about seventy-five yards out. Yeah, just kicked it in the wind. The wind. Yeah, took it, it, was, it was. It was. It was disgusting. It was really. It was really horrible. Were you wearing a heated jacket and heated socks, George? Or? Um, no, I was wearing long johns. Just long wearing, johns. <laughs> I was wearing simply, simply long johns. Yeah. <laughs> Did you have a, a shit flap in the back as well? Just long johns with a shit flap. So um, perhaps it's not surprising people didn't want to speak to me after the match. I, I'm not sure if that actually had anything to do with the result. So. Uh, I thought I cut quite a quite a swathe at Kingston Park, but uh, but maybe maybe not. Long Johns and just a top hat to finish it off. <laughs> Beautiful. Uh, yeah, it ended in heartbreak though, didn't it? Uh, Neve Reynolds scored an injury time winner and a remarkable save from the Forest keeper. Deny Bridget Galloway with an equaliser uh, of an equaliser. Yeah. Sorry, at the very last kick of it, the game. I mean. It, cruel that, isn't it? It was very dramatic. I mean, I just have to say, I am so sick of this season. And um, and certainly in terms of things like that, I mean, we, I think we went through it the other day in terms of the men's team and last minute heartache, whether it was losing matches or Chelsea in the Cup or PSG, obviously in the Champions League. And uh, yeah, this was just another one. It was an absolute sickener. You know, if you can't win, then just don't lose. That's the, you know, that's always the mantra. And it was a horrible way to lose the game. The forest keeper, Batty, yeah, was sensational. I mean, speaking to people who go to sort of every home game and and follow the team away, apparently that's you know that she's the best keeper that Newcastle have faced this season. She was in, she was in brilliant form. Um, it was a stunning save right at the end. Um, but yeah, what a I'm sick of heartbreak. No more heartbreak. Yeah, I've had enough. Uh, well, it's now very much a three-team race uh, for the title. Forest host Burnley next week with Newcastle in League Cup action at Fylde. Uh, here's Becky Langley's take on the result and what comes next. It goes without saying, you know, really disappointed with the result. I thought we started the game really brightly on the front foot and got the first goal. I mean, it just felt like for those five minutes after that, we would just look to kick on and be a comfortable afternoon. But it wasn't that way. It felt quite disjointed and yet yeah, something we need to reflect on. The reception they got from the fans was brilliant and I think that, you know, makes our disappointment even greater. You know, 3,000 people coming out to support the team and then the, the fans who were away at Manchester United last week, unbelievable, and we wanted them to go home with three points. But yeah, I think there was some positives from that, Joe, you're right. I think um, thought Nikki came on and did well, you know, she got the chance from ahead and it's a fantastic save from the keeper and, and, you know, that could have been us at 2-1. And then, yeah, I thought Beth came on and was really bright. She's, you know a very technical player, she was playing on the left and she, you know, had a couple of times she got past the fullback and it was exciting and you could see the fans were like excited by what they saw from her. So yeah, they're the positives. Um but yeah, obviously we'll we'll get back to the drawing board tomorrow and reflect as staff and players of how we can be better. 
So Becky Langley was willing to speak to other people, George. Just not you. No, she did. She did a. She did a. <laughs> she did an all-in after-match thing, which I recorded. But if you, I've listened back, and it's just the sound of wind. So it's sort of unusable. It's, it's the title of George Cockin's debut album. Yeah. George Cockin, The Sound of Wind. I mean, so so Forest were 10 points behind before kickoff yesterday and Newcastle were and still are five points ahead of Burnley who were playing in the Cup yesterday. Burnley now have two games in hand. You sort of have to hope that, I don't, I'm not sure what we hope the, the Forest-Burnley result is. Maybe if they... If they draw, if they take points in each other. Newcastle still have to play Burnley, so it's still in their hands. And their next league match is at home to Wolves, and that's a big game too. So everything I've seen about the team in the last couple of seasons suggests that they will get back on track and that they'll respond because they've been brilliant at it. But as I said before, it's a very strange feeling for them to be coming off the back of one defeat, let alone two in a row albeit the, the Man U game was a sort of positive for them. Um, so, yeah, it's an interesting it's an interesting moment for them. It certainly is. Right then, chaps, I think that's just about it. Uh, feel free to get in touch with us, if you like, at Pod on the Tyne on Twitter or X, and email us at podonthetyne at theathletic.com. Chris has got his finger in the air like a naughty school child waiting to say something. Go on, Chris, what is it? Yes, well, I just want to say that, I mean, George and I are on The Athletic going to be conducting a mailbag, which will be probably live not long after this podcast goes up, discussing everything to do with transfers. But just as we've been on air, we've been sort of checking out the Miguel Almiron to Saudi Arabia rumours. Initially, they've been played down, so it sounds like that 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 doesn't look like it's necessarily in the pipeline right at this very moment in time. But it shows that, again, to make that point about PSR, Newcastle will consider selling someone if the right offer comes in. And, And I wanted to throw a question to Taylor actually on this of all of the players we've discussed and of all the players who've been linked away if you were pushed to select a Newcastle player to let go in the current situation they're in who would you as a Newcastle fan on this podcast who would you let go Jeff Hendrick don't do that to me Chris good response good response I can't let I don't want any of them to leave I love them so much now this this group of lads They've, they've, they've been unbelievable the last couple of years the thing is you have to be realistic, don't you? You have to know that this is going to happen at some point. And, you know... Well, ju- just, on, just on that point, I mean, listening to our friends at the True Faith, their podcast the other day, they, they, they were discussing on the podcast that because Newcastle have retained players for so long, that as a football club, fans have maybe become conditioned to not allowing players... It, it, it's yeah. a normal thing for players yeah. to be recycled and move on, and that Newcastle fans maybe have to become reconditioned to this and to accept that going forward, that is something which is going to happen. Yeah. And that even like the likes of Javier Manquillo, yeah, people thought he should go, but then after he goes, like, oh, I'll always remember him for, the, for winning the free kick at Leeds, and it's like... You can have those positive memories, but move on is, is what needs to happen. Definitely, yeah. It's a good point, Chris, because when we were going through transfer windows when Rafa was manager, there was talk of players leaving. And, I mean, most managers are reluctant for players to leave because they're always kind of scared about what then happens, you know, what then happens next. Do they get replaced? Now, Rafa was absolutely paranoid about selling players, losing players, and then the club not reinvesting and so he would end up with a weaker squad now I, I, that bearing in mind the ownership that was that's probably sort of fair enough and then in any case there was also a reluctance once you get into the pandemic sort of era the club were reluctant to spend any money at all when when the takeover was also lingering and so they kept players and they gave them new contracts and so we've had a long time without the club really selling players barring the odd one or two and so you do kind of i mean so as a club the club has become conditioned 
to that. Yeah. But having said that, as you rightly point out, Taylor, the players that, that Newcastle do have at the minute have all played such an important role, whether under Rafa still, those players who are still knocking about, you know, who helped bring the club up and then keep them up during very difficult circumstances, all the players who've come in since the takeover and have been this band of brothers together. I think we have very emotional feelings towards yeah, them. And absolutely. that emotion is something that they have within the dressing room too. And so you're kind of very reluctant to to say goodbye to any of them. I think we've spoken on a number of occasions about transformative signings, but I think we've got to remember as well, there's also transformative sales of players. So we could sell a player who could potentially transform the shape of the club for the future. Yeah. You know, if if a Bruno Guimaraes left for 100, 100 million pounds plus, the, the impact that could have the positive impact that could have on Newcastle squad going forward could be enormous. One thing that we haven't mentioned on this pod, unless Chris has mentioned it and I just wasn't listening, which is perfectly po- <laughs> which is perfectly possible, is that in, if we're talking about the two January windows that Newcastle have had so far post-takeover, well, the first one, they were going to get relegated and so they had to do a shitload of remedial work. They had to do a load of stuff. Last season, they felt like they had to bring in Anthony Gordon because they had a chance to get in, into the top four. And that really, you know, talking about strengthening from a position of strength, that allowed them to do that. Now, what is the motivation this month? I think that's quite an interesting question because Newcastle are struggling a little bit in the league, but it's not like they're going to get relegated and it's very, very unlikely that they're going to get in the Champions League. Yes, they've got a big list of injuries, but a lot of those players, fingers crossed, will be back within the next month, two months, hopefully. And then the outlook's different. So, I mean, I know we have talked about that in terms of Calvin Phillips, and, for example, and what he would bring to the squad. But what is their motivation at this point? What is the motivation for letting people leave? Yes, that would help them to bring players in. But, you know, then what? You know, what what is the big idea? If they're kind of writing off this season, I mean, that's an exaggeration, but if there's like nothing really for them to play for this season what would be the point to doing business now? I think that's quite an interesting, I think that's kind of quite an interesting uh, equation because it just hasn't been that way for the for the two Januarys previous to this. Absolutely. Well, I'm sure you'll get an awful lot of messages about that in your mailbag, chaps, that you're running. Uh, right then, that's it. Thanks very much, Chris. Thanks for your time. You're very welcome. It's going to be fun for Ollie just to be able to half the length of this podcast because everything I said, George then repeats so he can just you can just cut off half the podcast. Yeah, so there we Good. go. Yeah, anything to say to that, George? Well, at least I turned up this week. Yeah. <laughs> I might not bother them Thursday. This is the treatment I get when I do bother to turn up. Just get absolutely... Maybe I'll put in a transfer to True Faith. We've got Lucy in the window to True Faith. Yeah, I might go to True Faith. I'd just like to uh, issue a statement that George Colgan is not available for transfer and we won't be thinking about any uh, bids. Or, uh, I'm 53. It's a chance to move to a podcast that's, you know, forward-thinking. It's a chance for silverware. They get nominated for podcast of the year every year. We don't. I'm, I just, personal terms, I, feel, I, just, I just feel a bit unsettled. A pair of heated socks and he's yours. Absolutely. Right, that's it. Thank you very much for listening, everyone. Cheers for joining us uh, yet again. Uh, From everyone at Pod on the Time, hope you have a lovely week. Take care and goodbye. Yeah, sorry about that, Chris. So I stopped listening because you hadn't talked about that. So I then thought, okay, I better mention this. So I then started, you know, quietly doing research. And that's obviously when you were talking about it.
So I thought I was being professional. Well, I'll be a lesson. That's a lesson to me. The Athletic. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.